0: Welcome to season four of The Culture of Kindness. My name is Nahala Summers and I am your host. A Culture of Kindness is based on the idea that by bringing kindness into leadership, we reduce stress, anxiety, make happier workplaces, and in turn, improve the bottom line for any organization or institution. It is a book, leadership program, accreditation, and of course, this wonderful podcast. Kindness has been my life's work since I founded the social movement for kindness back in 2012 called Sunshine People. And it has kept me interested on what people have to say on the complexities of kindness ever since. The guest lineup is exceptional, from politicians to social media influencers, best-selling authors to BBC presenters, an eclectic mix of people who all have completely different views on kindness, how we get it, and where the world is currently at. If you enjoy this episode, then please do show your support for kindness by subscribing to the podcast, leave a five-star review, or simply invest in the book, aptly named A Culture of Kindness, available on Amazon. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy. Sandy you are so welcome to a culture of kindness podcast season 4 um so we can't, we're getting on with seasons now um thank you so much your wisdom today is going to be incredibly uh, appreciated um So I'm I'm not going to spoil it by talking about your job role and what you do. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about that. But I know that we're going to be talking about America. We're going to be talking about race. We're going to be talking about what kindness looks like when it goes into organizations Uh, those small to medium companies to to large financials, um, and what difference we can all make. So I guess, first of all, though, before we go into all of that, that maybe you could share a little bit about yourself um, and what makes you happy.
1: Okay, that's great. Well, I'm, first of all, so humbled and honoured to be with you. I mean, you really are an inspiration and truly you know when you meet people and you know that you're supposed to meet them at that time it's just so remarkable to me so i was just really just thrilled to meet you last year at the you know women future of the women in london and and it was you know immediately i knew that your work was what we needed and so right now i am the group uh, chief human resource officer for lombard international and i Came to HR later in my career. I started my career in banking and operations, and then I pretty much have had a decade of work in banking and operations. Then I went to nonprofit and and did some work there, and then did some work on my own consulting for change management and and leadership, if you will, for small and medium-sized businesses. And then went on to Guy Carpenter and Reinsurance As an HR business partner, I moved up to be the um, global head of HR for Guy Carpenter and then moved to Lombard. And, you know, through all of that, it took me a while to realize my passion was people. I I really, you know, am happiest when I'm with people. So obviously COVID has not been terrific uh, for me to be having to do everything via WebEx and really to help support our people and to be connected to others and and really we are going through you know so many changes in the world that it's so interesting to have this global perspective and really for me to be stuck in america right now while we're we're really facing you know deaths that are you know, hard to even imagine on a daily basis being more than 9-11 and the pain that this country and all the countries are facing. And, and so for me, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a powerful time for all of us to be introspective and really to think about what kindness really is. So I think all of your work is just always timely, but even more so now. So thank you
0: oh thank you so much it's incredibly kind of you to to say (laughs) um so tell me about what makes I mean it surprises me that it took you because immediately to me people are your passion like absolutely I see that uh people are drawn to you when I've seen you working um so I'm surprised it, it took you so long. But I guess is that is that the main thing that you believe makes you happy to be able to kind of support and guide people?
1: So I think that that is what, you know, I I really have always felt. My mom showed me a picture, you know, from when I was young, I will be of service to others. and And I think that, you know, when I really thought about that, you know, sitting with her in her 80s, and she showed me something from a drawer, I was, oh, interesting, right? You know, there's things that happen along the way. And I'm one of those people who's always kept myself busy. And by doing so, you know, I think that I've met so many interesting people and been blessed to get energy from people, right? And and I find that to be a gift, you know, for me, that, that gives me happiness and joy. But from a work perspective, you know, human resources wasn't always human and resourceful. So when I started working, um, it was never something that uh, it wasn't a field that I thought I wanted to go into. And, you know, I started in computers and my kids just laugh at that, that I even actually even was at the forefront of programming in any way, shape or form, because I have trouble sometimes, you know, with. The updates on my iPhone. So, you know, it's it's pretty funny, but I, I kind of keep the things that I should in my head. But, you know, when we think about the transformation of the workforce and, you know, really thinking about when we sat last year together, you know, in that room of speakers talking about what does the future of work look like? And you know, you and I've talked about this it's it's fascinating to see the changes even in the last 10 years right you know we would not have been talking about well-being we would not have been talking about kindness at all it would have been you know let's just talk about the objectives let's talk about aligning the human capital strategy yeah. you know with the corporate objectives mm-hmm. and let's make sure that we give people what they need and that means Career development, and that's all. We're not talking about the whole person. We're not talking about authenticity. And so, to be in a room, you know, and really looking at the future of work and that the shifts are already happening, and we as leaders need to stay current and be aware, you know, that we're already at a point where millennials are, you know, the greater percentages in many of our workforces. And so, that does shift, you know, what motivates people in their work and, and people are pushing to make sure that this time that they spend has meaning and purpose and value and that they are, you know, respected and and that people are being kind to each other.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's like chalk and cheese compared with what we were and what we we're moving into, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, within that finance sector, into the finance world, it's it, it's so challenging, right? Because everybody's measured by figures, finance. Um, and so bringing that human element, do you think that that's been a challenge to bring the human element into that environment?
1: Well, I think that, you know, when you, for me, you know, change occurs and and, and you speak to this, which is all of us have that power. Individually, we each have the power to begin to change. And one of the the phrases that I always used when I first came to Lombard and we're blessed to have so many, you know, 40 different, you know, nationalities and 30 different languages spoken in, in Europe in that 400 person, group of people, it's a microcosm of, you know, synergies of respecting each other's cultures, which is not always easy, right? And so when you think about it, and and people would say things when I said, tell me what makes this culture, tell me what it is, you know, and I would say we all have responsibility for this culture. It is It is made up of all of us, but each one of us has the power to shift it. And and you really say that in the work and, and you show it with examples that make people, I mean, it was interesting, you know, when you spoke to, to people in Europe, I mean, there were people with tears in the workplace, which is just not usual, right? It doesn't typically happen. And that was last year pre-pandemic, you know, in the beginning of the winter. And, and I think that for me, you know, because I do, I guess, meet people where they are. Our leaders, you know, people are fundamentally really good people and their intention is to be, you know, valuable and to do good work. So I always start with people's intentions are so, you know, honorable and good. So if you start from there and you know that, then you get from them what they're trying to achieve and you help them align what their work is in a way where you talk about what motivates people and so I try to do it in a way where I look at people's strengths and I say okay so tell me where the strengths are on your team tell me what you see and help them focus on the good and then hopefully that begins to shift some of that and I feel really really fortunate that at Guy Carpenter and at Lombard I had the experience I had in the small and medium size work field because to me, it all starts with, you know, a small group that begins to um, evolve and change and their results are better. And then it's something that can be replicated and people feel it and they go, Oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, You know, I do think the financial pressures, you know, whether that be in a public company quarterly or private equity where you're trying to grow, no matter which field, we're all facing um, really impactful changes uh, with this information age moving so fast now. And, you know, one of the quotes I remember, you know, from last year in terms of talking about artificial intelligence and empathy and where... We as you know human leaders need to be thinking about such things as kindness and how we lead our workforce. Was that the decade of 2020 wasn't going to be 10 years of change? It was going to feel like 20,000 years of change, and that was pre-pandemic. And it gives me the chills to just say it out loud because I did begin in college with this computers and society, and I lived in this building with you know, 20 people and we were really given a personal computer and, and we all had different majors and it was sort of what would the future look like? Would we work more or less? We work more, you know, would we go paperless? I mean, I'm still a paper person, but I'm definitely less of a paper person, but you know, it's not quite there yet. It hasn't really gotten there, but we're moving really now with the pandemic, that's going to accelerate, right? What are the accelerators? And, um, you know, would we shop online? I never thought I would shop online. I only shop online, you know? So these are changes, though, that took, you know, 30 years to, to come about. But now, it's, it was a foreshadowing. And now I look at, you know, obviously there will be silver lines from the pandemic that, you know, we will take away. And hopefully this reset lets us, you know, look at how we can work differently, how we can have work-life balance, how we can appreciate that someone can be as productive from home and be able to, you know, spend time with their family to have more quality, yeah. you know, experiences in their life. and And so... You know what that hybrid looks like as we return to the new normal will be interesting, yeah. but certainly a challenge.
0: You know, we you talked there about you know the impact that um, bringing the word kindness in just just talking about kindness in Lombard. What what was that impact? Because that even just that had an impact, right? Before you did everything Before else,
1: I even rolled it out, right? You know, we. When you when you start to tell the story and you introduce it, um, there was sort of a well, come on, I mean, you know, it's we're, we're really, but you know, it was it was interesting, right? And I'm like, well, kindness is actually a strength, so let's think about it differently. And you know, you and I had talked about, well, how are we going to introduce this, you know, to the to the group Xco in a way that feels, you know, that it's the right thing to do, and it's and that you're going to see a difference in how people respect each other, respect you and work better together. And, you know, I said, please, you know, trust me on this, you know, and and thankfully, you know, I, you know, was fortunate enough to have the creativity in this role to do that. And, you know, and really to see some of them right away, get what you said, right, in terms of, being able to have difficult conversations with someone that helps them see themselves in a different way that maybe they're not doing this work at the level that's expected is actually a kind conversation, right? And it's hard, but it's kind. And I think that I've always been one of those people, (laughs) apparently in in one of my new uh, assessments, one of the words that's been described of me is tough. And so it was one of the five pillars. And, you know, if you, if you think about me, you know, I laughed about it, but I know it's true, right? It's, it's, and when you dig deeper into what they were saying, it was that I will confront, you know, difficult situations. So in terms of being tough, to me, that honesty, that caring, that authenticity is really needed to move the organization forward. Yeah. And so for me as a change management, transformational leader, that is absolutely at the front of what I try to do, which is to help people see that they are in the right place, that they can enjoy their work, that they can thrive and, and enjoy what they're contributing if we do it right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Having those tough conversations um, earns you that trust. And, and you know, I talk about the trust and and you you and I both know and not the place to go into it now I've got a thousand books and, and resources that people can go to and on the research on it but you know and so many people that I interview within senior management talk about the erosion of trust and the need for us to continue to build that and that trust only happens when you have those tough conversations because people respect that right and it is hugely important rather than kind of papering over the cracks and oh we'll just keep moving on and or oh, it'll be fine we just won't say anything but people feel that we we understand we have an intuition oh something's not right and it starts to shift and and cause fault lines in in the culture when we aren't honest uh for sure i'd love to talk about you know you and i've been talking about this um just this week you know we're talking about race the changes in that you know we've we've got COVID-19 but it's been one hell of a year for shift change in terms of people's perceptions things that have been going on and America has just seen some epic change the sad death of George Floyd but so many uh, so, so many, many so many people.
1: Um, and
0: not just George Floyd but so many and um and uh I, I don't want to be disrespectful in not naming them all but let's I know just...
1: I know it's it's um you know, it's really—it's a time for the country to address, you know, where we are, and and um, and and it's very interesting from uh, the cultural phenomenon of the the country being shut down. There not being sports, yeah. there not being an ability to do anything else, and. For people, you know, of all races, to get on the streets and to protest as they did throughout the summer, was so powerful. And in my lifetime, just had not really experienced it. And and to watch it, you know, with with people with masks on, and and certainly worrying about people, but they had this firm belief that they needed to go out and say how horrific this is, and and. You know, and I think it's a really tough thing that the country is so divided. And and our, our leadership, and, and I hate to get political about it, but clearly for us, we are at a crossroads. You know, there is this mistrust of the media, um, which unfortunately brought about the election of a man who was not qualified to be president. And that's costing this country, you know, in my opinion, many, 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 you know unneeded deaths, I mean there has not been leadership, and if you talk about leadership and and the needs and how important it is, um, but also you know the beauty of the democracy in America is supposed to change you know we will survive it, but now we have to reset and and what the protests and and really you know George floyd was you know twenty years from when some of these un necessary deaths occurred with police. I mean, this has been going on in our country for a while. And it, and it has its times where people pay attention and you think there's going to be real change. And in some cities, there have been changes, right, with the police. But building that trust with the police and the cities um, is only one part of it because our economic system, you know, is, is really not dealt with you know, people of color in a way that systemically, from an educational standpoint, what they're offered, um, how do they get out of, you know, the the economic and and social um, barriers that they're up against, you know, and so there's a lot here to unpack, and the country, you know, is paying attention, and, and so I'm really quite proud that You know, I've been working with um, Megan Hodge uh, to work on a strategic plan for inclusion. And and a lot of the things that in HR people, we've talked about diversity and inclusion. And in America, they've added the word equity. But we haven't had conversations in the workplace about race. We've had conversations about gender. Mm. And in the UK, you know, you have the gender pay equity, right? And, you know, but when you think about Having conversations around race, as you say internationally it's not that the the core bars aren't the same mm. as they are in America, mm. and you know the division in the country is is really quite strong, and yet it it does go to breaking down it's so much more than just unconscious barriers there's these microaggressions, and really trying to understand. Um, different words in this type of, of um, work that we will undertake at Lombard in terms of having conversations around what does racial equity look like? What, what are the barriers that have been put forth? Do we really understand it? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of work for us to do in the work- workplace in terms of what does it mean you know, to be black in the workplace? Um, and then just bringing it out further to people of color of all races, right? There's just stigma in America that does need to be recognized. And then how do we help, you know, bring about equity? What does that look like? How do we make sure we're giving people the opportunities? And so some of the work in, in HR that has been done to bring women um, you can see NASDAQ is now putting forth corporate goals that is not just, you know, not just about women, but people of unrepresented um, minority groups. So that we start to think about it, not just from people of color, but, you know, LGBTQ community, you know, how are we handling, you know, people that are not considered, you know, this in finance, it's a pretty white male you know, industry. And, yeah. and, you know, in insurance, we're pretty behind in, in, in a sense. And, you know, there is that mirror um, complex in a sense that people are comfortable with people that look like themselves. And, and you know, how do we help people get comfortable being uncomfortable?
0: Yeah. And
1: that's really a lot of the work that we have to do and really just be okay with understanding where somebody comes from and where they
0: Give of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I mean, we talked offline just before. You know, I I grew up in an environment where Father Christmas was a black man. So you know, and and because I grew up out in the Middle East, and when I, so when I was very little, I for me, I just it's just what I've known. So I've never thought. Oh, well, this person is black and then had an opinion of them I've just thought they have black skin, this person has white skin that person is it's just never been that doesn't mean that i shouldn't educate myself on on the challenges by any means but but what it what I'm trying to highlight from that is that i'm a I'm a believer that it is what we are brought up with, what we understand, you know. And I think in America there is something that's been so deep rooted that it's just gone on and on and on and kind of just divided and divided out and divided out. Would you say that that was right? Would you say it's that
1: true? Right? And I think that there's stereotypes. I mean, America's is this melting pot. So it used to even be, you know, the Irish and the Italian. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very interesting to watch how stereotypes in history, you know, brought about these expectations that, well, if this is who you are by your, your background, then this is what I can expect of you, right? And, yeah. you know, as America has become more and more diverse, you know, one of the things that I really tried to understand and work with people is what are they afraid of? What is the fear that's driving them? What is it that's holding them back? And some of this is really where you can see the underlying, you know, bias of what they think. And, you know, again, pushing yourself to be open.
0: Yeah. I mean, there is something in our very conditioning as humans you know and I, and I I might have spoken about it but certainly within the book where you know that saber-toothed tiger you know years ago when we had to protect ourselves, there's the saber-toothed tiger that we know is going to be dangerous to us and so we make that assumption when we look at somebody and it might be that uh, you know it the Irish and the Italians you know well if you're Irish then I know that you could be dangerous to me in a certain environment and so actually it does spread out more and more just because everybody will look at that other person well you are a male on your own walking behind me we make an assumption straight away because we want to protect ourselves protect
1: ourselves
0: right so all of those stories um just kind of happen you know i'm a huge believer that when we actually get rid of um bame groups and we get rid of the the this award that's only for asian people we get when we get rid of all of those things then we've Truly succeeded because then right. we stopped dividing and keeping divides, and people <laughs> feeling that they have to have these separate groups because they feel that they are not being represented enough, and that's yeah, yeah that's got to be where we go. It, it
1: is interesting because you know you need this affinity to feel like you're not alone, but at the same time to you know recognize where you've come from and celebrate that. But to your point. It, it it is about celebrating someone's good work. And and so there's so many times, I'm sure, that we see that, but it's a very good point. It's it's a it's a goal to set our sights to.
0: It keeps dividing and keeps dividing. Is there kindnesses that have happened within your working life and things that have happened that really have helped you and supported you and I know that there is there's a particular couple of particular people within Lombard who have just kind of represented kindness and that that way but you know it might be something else that you would want to talk about But
1: you know it's it's so interesting because um you know I I have to say it's so nice one of the things that uh we introduced um at Lombard is a it's called reflective and it's our performance management system but it's really based on really acknowledging when someone lives the spirit values uh that we talk about at Lombard which is soul of a small company passion integrity respect innovation and teamwork and you know when when you actually it's so powerful to watch people you know each order, you know, I I come about and, you know, there's like 500 times that people have been recognized for doing something where they're exhibiting those values. And and really, at the core of it, what we talked about was, what is kindness? Kindness is the underpinning of all of these values, right? It's how do you walk the walk, it's how, it's how you live these values. And so for me, to watch the, the culture shift in, in a way where they have the power to actually acknowledge each other, and whether that be the manager to the employee or the employee to each other, to say, you made a difference in this project. And that means so much. And when we give these spirit awards, you know, it's so emotional for people. And you know, it's funny to me because in the UK, you know, Jamie who is my partner in crime in, in the marketing, Jamie Gadoff in the marketing communications team you know, they call, you guys call the, the little uh, awards a tombstone, which to me is really a great marker. I'm like, oh, I don't really like calling it a tombstone. But when they get their tombstone, um, it is, it's, it's so meaningful for somebody that they're being recognized for basically doing the right thing, doing it well and being kind and and, and living these spirit values. And so for me, that's been just so powerful to watch and to be part of being able to acknowledge you know, six people you know, each, each you know, half a year. And we were doing it regionally, and now we're doing it globally. But there's such power in that; There, there yeah. really is. And, and I just, I'm really, you know, it's taken off. And I think one of the things that, you know, Jamie and I did just talk to, all of the work, you know, that we do that's regular HR speak. The one thing that has actually, you know, connected across the globe is understanding kindness. You know, it it makes sense to everyone. And because we have all of these cultural differences, it is a word. But at first, there was some question around it. You know, again, was it too soft, whatever? And it was interesting to hear people actually talk about it. But in the end, they all did get the, the understanding of what it is. And people know it when they feel it. And they know they've experienced it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. And I'm so glad you brought up the spirit values because, you know, when we did the workshops, we linked the spirit values, with the seven core values, and there was just, a, and, and people's personal values and they could see how it all kind of interlinked. And they were like, absolutely. And I, we, re- soul of a small company, I just, you know it's the one for me I mean they are all very relevant and very uh within Lombard but it for me it is the one of the most powerful values because it embodies so much around mm-hmm. um and and I feel like so many larger companies need to build this within their cultures to say actually you know soul of a small company is when you hear somebody, you know, those people who sit at the top, really, you're turning it all around and you're making sure that they're sat listening. You know, those people who are sat as the CEO will make a call to somebody and say, how's it going? You know, what are your challenges right now? Because that's what soul of a small company is. That's what small companies do. They care about everybody and uh that for me is a as a powerful uh value to have for Lombard
1: it's and you really brought that so clearly in the work when you were doing it because some people as we were growing saying why are we saying we're, we're, we're trying to grow and they weren't connecting why it was important and John Hillman you know began this company in Philadelphia you know 20 over 20 Five plus years ago and these are the values that we had so there was a funny story that when you know we started this this work around the spirit values and bringing them to life in the organization um, Jamie had sent me Jamie Gadda who's the head of marketing and communications and my, my partner in prime, uh, we really in terms of internal and external engagement I mean it's just really part of what we do together and bringing the values to Out, he sent me through this beautiful presentation that said Sprit. And I, you know, he had all of them there. I'm like, wait, quickly. And of course I'm moving quickly. I'm like, you forgot an eye. I don't even read it. And I just say, Oh, you forgot an eye. He's like, No, Sandy, there's only five. And I said, Well, come on, we need to make it spirit. That that's really what I see. And it's really bringing these values to life in the company. And so he was just funny, he goes, Well, are you gonna tell John Hillman? Because you know. Values don't change. That's what he said. You know, the mission changes, our strategic drivers change, but our values don't change. And I said, well, I'm going to add innovation. He goes, well, you go for it. So I went to John Hillman and, you know, like, uh, this is what we're trying to do. And it's really important. And I I think innovation would, you know, is is, it's needed now. And he goes, I'm good with that. I go, "Okay, Jamie, I got it. Let's go. And so. You know, they came to life as spirit values, and, and really, you know, at the core is the soul of a small company. And, and really, I think the work that you did, you know, in terms of connecting them to, you know, the kindness theory,
0: it's just amazing. And and I just I do love that story because I know that you've shared it with me before as well. And uh, I just think it was it... really
1: it really was one of those winnable moments. But it also just was the beginning of this becoming real at Lombard
0: yeah yeah for sure and I think people you know what I really got from Lombard was that they they felt it they saw it that you know this whole kindness conversation was uh, yeah we we get it you know as we went through the workshops went through the conversation and um you know and that's Yeah, that's incredibly humbling. But I think
1: what's interesting is, you know, one of the things that when we met, Nala, the conversation that just was so powerful when we were talking was, you know, we had just finished our engagement survey with um, We Thrive, which has this um, engagement theory on the four Cs that are needed for someone to actually feel connected and and be able to thrive in their work, and it it really is about the whole person, and it's a lot, of, you know, in terms of where your research and your work comes in. And so when I was talking with you, one of our um, you know action items was really addressing something that we really labeled as the blaming culture, right, which is oftentimes in many organizations, right, when you have high expectations, and, you know, we all have lessons to learn when something doesn't go right, but how we do that is so important, and that was where it was just so clear to me that when I met you, it just made perfect sense, right, and it just was like, yes, this is going to be how we discuss what the ambassadors have brought forward, which was how do we address the blaming culture in a way that is real and digestible and makes a difference, and how do we help people walk the walk? What does that really mean and I think when you met with all of our groups and really talked about that, um you know you came away with you know some real actionable items that allowed us to to talk about it in in um in a way that resonated with people and I think that's something that one people feel heard and they feel that they can understand maybe why it happens but what do they want differently so it doesn't happen again
0: yeah that's right and it's and it's also about making stuff quick and easy and actionable because I think often we can put up a lot of process when a lot of culture change can happen with just really, you know, small things that work. You know, you obviously need to make it work for every business and not everything will fit every mould, but but certainly making it so that people feel that that hap- will happen quickly and you know you're right you know every organization has that element of blame in it it's just about how do you break that circle and and turn it into the to the spiral of growth yeah. rather than the circle of blame which is what yeah, I- the new
1: patterns and, and you talk about that so powerful
0: yeah yeah absolutely oh my goodness I could talk to you all day Sandy as you I could talk
1: to you all day as well it's so it's so nice to be with you and I can't wait till we actually can see each other again I know
0: I know I can't wait either I would just love to come over to America and and yes do talk live you know because the last live uh last talk was so
1: we wanted to have you here for our American group and and hopefully that can happen in 2021 I don't know we're pretty slow with the vaccinations it (laughs) seems like so
0: well uh, we'll
1: we'll, we'll work it on we'll be working on it
0: (laughs) yeah that's right absolutely I always end which it's sad that we've at this time already but we are um, I always end on this final question what does a culture of kindness mean to you
1: well it really means that one, we're respecting each individual for who they are. And and we really are empowering them to be their authentic self in a way that they can be heard and they can really truly contribute in a way that they feel this is worth my time. And we see the results as an organization and we're able to you know grow together and, and when that comes together so nicely a culture of kindness at its core you know I do believe just as you know being inclusive it, it drives innovation it drives productivity it drives growth and, and right now in in 2020 going into twenty twenty one we really need to be curious about what's next because we have to keep asking questions and if we can't do that we're not going to, you know, be the leaders of the future if, if we just keep thinking of things exactly the way they are. And so we need to be kind to each other and, and we need to be there for each other. And I mean, that's, that's what we need. So
0: it's Absolutely. so
1: powerful for me.
0: Yeah, wow, thank you so much. Definitely taking so much forwards uh, and definitely curiosity. We've got to be more curious uh, about what's going on in the world generally and how we make a difference as individuals. Thank you so much, Sandy. So grateful for your precious time. Um, and oh, thank I- you, Nala.
1: Always, always, always a pleasure. So stay well. And yes, we'll and next- I will
0: no doubt speak to you again soon.
1: Yes, absolutely. All right, cheers.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you have loved this episode, please do share it with others. Pop on and give a lovely review, but mostly take forwards into your life something that can change someone else's. We are looking for the elusive happiness and kindness is the action that can get us there.